volunteers from the food bank, uh, the Tottenham Food Bank, will be with the van at the community centre in the normal place for the next two Sundays before the NFL games uh, from half past 10 to 2.30pm. The items that they urgently need are UHT milk, pasta sauce, tinned veg, tinned meat, tinned custard, rice pudding, tinned tomatoes and coffee. So uh, if you want to make a donation, community centre in the normal place, kind of opposite the corner pin if you've never been there before, go and say hello, make your donation, up the spurs. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to episode 15, season 3 of the Filthy Shambles podcast. I'm Spooky. I'm joined by Adam to discuss another uneventful weekend of football. It's so boring being a Spurs fan at the minute. Mr Nathan, welcome back. It's been a while. I think we've got plenty to talk about. Yeah, there seems to be one or two stories that have cropped up from the weekend. So we should be able to fill a good 10 minutes, I reckon. 15 let's 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 be ambitious and then for 15 minutes fair, fair enough mate what is going on at Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> Football Club it, it, it like it's the it's the narrative that we that everybody keeps repeating but we we we're very giddy at the minute and rightfully so you know we, we can chat about the celebration police later on but this is football right I mean obviously we could do with less of the controversies uh that have nothing to do with Tottenham and and and, and, and perhaps nothing to do with Liverpool either unless you wear a tinfoil hat. Um, those errors were also discussed. Obviously, we can't avoid them. But in terms of Tottenham right now, I know during the summer, you were um, frustrated along with most of the fan base, I, I would imagine. I mean, do you look back on your frustrations in terms of, and this is for anyone listening, this, this was to do with the way the last week or two ended with a transfer uh, um, uh, window, right? With deadline day, the way we just waited until the last minute to make a bid for a defender from Bournemouth and we signed Johnson and, it, and there's just there was just discussions about why could we not have supported Postacoglu with a bit more depth, a, bit, a few more players maybe, just to, to kind of bridge that gap and just allow us to, to kick on. Because at that moment in time, we didn't really know what was going to happen, right? So there was anxiety. So do you are you reflective? Are you looking back on that and thinking I should have known better because Spurs are probably going to do the complete opposite of what I expect them to do? Or are you still quite pragmatic and and careful, even though obviously you're probably staying behind with everyone else for the the, the Spurs disco post game uh, every home game? Yeah, I don't think don't think anything changes. I mean, ultimately, in the last two games, we've had to take off Madison and Son to protect them from injury. Mm. And the people we've brought on to replace them have been obviously markedly worse players. Um, So I think that the frustration from the transfer window is that we didn't really do enough from a depth standpoint uh, in a couple of positions to, to make up for, you know, or, or to build the squad to where we'd like it to be. Now it is worth saying that we're obviously on a journey. Yes. Towards something going forward. But equally, I also 
completely rejected and continue to reject the idea that this season should be seen as a bridge or anything like that. Because as you can see, we've got a good enough team that can mix it with anyone. And I think I was annoyed by hearing people say that, oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens this year because next year is the one. Because I thought we had enough quality that we could go out and beat anyone within reason that we wanted to play. Um, And so I wanted to see that that matched from a boardroom level. I don't think it has been matched to mm-hmm. to a level that, look, we might get away with it and we, we might get through the what, 13 games we've got left until until January, which I think is when it opens and Bensonkor yeah. will come back and hopefully Brennan Johnson will be fit soon. So that could all change. But um, my, my support for the team never wavered one bit and my love for the of team course. never wavered. Yeah. It, was always, it was always the disdain for what was going upstairs and not putting the team in a position to thrive that frustrated me and ultimately not having Madison out there at crucial times and not even having anyone close to like for like to be able to bring on to do it, you know, to to replace him would suggest that we're not there yet. Now that's fine if we're not there yet, but I I still think that we could have been more ambitious. Yeah. And and it's a fair comment. I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. And and I kind of, there's, there's an interesting conversation or, or, or blog, if people still read them to, to, to delve into this whole thing around transitional seasons and this. And, and I might have been guilty of saying, look, this season is about Ange Postacoglu discovering everything, right? But you can argue in the first seven games, it's actually, even though they've not been perfect wins every single time, it's just the, 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 the culture and the philosophy and the together the togetherness and the relentlessness of the team. These are really, really important traits. And obviously the quality and refinement and depth are things that will come in stages um, and yet we possibly, possibly could have done more business uh, to then strengthen us more. And this whole transitional thing kind of changes in terms of its evolution. Instead of it be- being a season where we accept, you know, uh, bad form or we haven't got the depth and therefore we've lost a few games, etc., etc. It then forms into a season where the momentum keeps building. Now, us being Spurs fans, we always get ahead of ourselves Often in the past, we've kind of overachieved and extended ourselves to a level that was unexpected. And then that's redefined our own benchmarks. And then we kind of add additional pressure uh, from all areas, whether it's from the boardroom or the, or the stand. I think this time, though, we're, we're, we're almost at ground zero completely as a football club. Um, because we can see how good Ange Postacoglu is as a manager. Um, as a as, as a rep, a representative of Tottenham Hotspur, right? Okay, I mean he, he's given the job. He's got no association with Spurs, but he is immersing himself as any manager should. There's no disconnection between him and us and the football club. Um, and, and I think part of that's given us a little bit of confidence. And perhaps when we do get when we do lose, you know, we could lose to Luton away. You know, it's it's. It can happen anywhere, right? At any point. When it does happen, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to react in a negative way. And I don't expect to see any any big threads from you about lack of depth. Mainly because I think you know there's nothing you can do about it now. Nothing any of, of us can do about it. The club have behaved the way they have. Do you buy anything into um, Postacoglu saying that he's quite stubborn, he wants specific players? He, you know, It's almost like he was saying that it was Levy reacts to what he wants. And if he wants a certain player, we might need to wait until the summer for that player because he's looking at the longer game. Do you buy into that or do you think that is a mixture of um, 
just being diplomatic and protecting the club, you know, in 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 a, in a positive way, and also keeping us on on a on a level that keeps us grounded. Maybe a bit of both, because yeah. in forward areas, it didn't seem like we necessarily missed out on anyone that we were desperate to sign. You know, I think Conor, Conor Gallagher maybe was one they were, they were hoping to get in, but with Hoiberg staying, for whatever reason, they they decided not to go with that. But at the back, you know, he said himself that we're probably one short of where we want to be. Now, he doesn't strike me as the sort of guy that would say we're short in an area without offering up someone that he'd like to sign. He just doesn't strike me as, as that kind of bloke that would make requests, but then not request enough to, you mm. know, to, to, to give a viable alternative. So that's an area that I think ugh, not let down. They haven't let him down per se, but that's probably the area where he hasn't been backed in the way that he would have liked to be. But equally, there's a difference between Postacolic not being backed in inverted commas and, you know, Conte not being backed in his in his warped mind with four hundred million quid worth of transfers. You know, yeah. not being backed doesn't mean the same for every manager. So yeah. what I'm trying to what I'm saying here is, whilst I was and am skeptical of the board at this stage, I'm not seeing. You know, I'm not getting the purple and gold out and started knitting scarves because I don't think he's been not been backed in, in yeah. that way. And I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's upset about the squad to be honest. So why why should we be? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, look, well, look, we can. This has been spoken about on on a few pods uh, that I've done, and, and it's going to be something that we're always going to go back to as the season progresses, and especially when we get to January, which is always tricky because you never buy the you you can never sign the players you really want to sign, um, because they're usually very good players and they're playing for the club they're at, and that club doesn't want to let them go, etc., etc., etc. But we can we've got plenty of time before that rolls in. Uh, we need to stay unbeaten uh, hmm. up to Christmas in order to then go into the new year. Challenging for the title. I'm only joking, obviously, uh, but it's good to joke. Um, and talking of jokes, <laughs> we, we we need to get to Viheha. We need to get to the re- reaction of this. How do you want to do this, um, Adam? Because like, like often, um, I, th- I think often we don't really need to go through the game step by step because everyone's watched it everyone's digested it everyone if everyone that was there watched it on tv etc 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 but um well let's get to let's let's start with the controversies right and then we can talk about the the key moments from the game that weren't Mm. controversial like 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 the, the 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 son goal which was was a majestic bit of football and match of the day didn't even mention it you know just <laughs> little trigger points but let's start with the yeah, i mean do, do you really have anything to add to the discourse about var at this stage because i don't think i do no it's like it's i'm not, happy to talk i'm happy to talk it, about it it's not but... so much the, the var because it's boring right it's not yeah. so much it's not so much like let's let's fix var because I, I wouldn't i wouldn't know where to start i barely understand it as it is it's more to do whether you think the noise around all of this is warranted um i guess most of the noise is people taking the piss out liverpool supporters liverpool supporters saying it's nothing to do with you it's everything to do with you know what the error that's happened and and just all this stuff around their statement mentioning options what do they mean options what what, what they expect to get points back (laughs) but anyway it is is fairly boring and we don't have to spend that much time on it um it all reminds me of the all of the reaction reminds me of the the james franco meme of when he's being hung 
on the boat and it's like first that's time first question time. mark yes that's classic like we've been here a million times before yeah you know you could argue that we've never had a decision as ridiculous as the one on saturday but all it was was var not awarding a goal that should have been and everyone's been in that position you know not having a penalty given that you should be in and there's been the weirdest thing that i've noticed today is that there's quite a few threads from journalists saying you know all fans should be in support of what liverpool are trying to do this isn't about what aboutery this isn't a time for crime or this is a time for for unity and, and understanding that it could happen to you uh but the whole point is it has happened to us and it's happened to everyone. And I feel like everyone has been screaming about this for five years since it's come in. And everyone's been annoyed about VAR. But the only response you ever get is, well, it's here to stay now. So it's just going to have to improve. So I think people are reduced to only being able to laugh this time because we're so far. I'm so far past the point of being annoyed by it. Whereas, you know, I'm thinking, oh, they should scrap it. Like if they're not going to scrap it, then what am I going to do? It, it, it will never be good as far as I can tell. I think it's systemically hugely flawed. So all you can do really is take your lumps when it goes against you and laugh your ass off when it goes for you. And that's something that a lot of the sort of media communities seem to be picking up on later than the rest of us. Do you know what? Let, 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 let's, let's, let's actually talk about this quickly and then bin it and then get to the actual football. Um, sure. Because it, only because I completely agree with everything that you said. I'm not going to repeat. I'm not going to go into a rant because I think what you just said was perfect. Um, it is interesting because obviously Liverpool's statement is uh, is about them, even though it, it you know there's there's a call uh, a call for a collective like uh, for everybody to kind of group together. Uh, but whereas you, you, it has been happening for so long that it's almost like well the evidence is there. Like we have these conversations nearly every single week. So what you know we, we're not going to protest that clubs don't need to gang together and protest about this they can ask for some kind of review some kind of audit i mean i saw something today i didn't actually watch it on tv but i think sky sky sports do something with referees and var right like post weekend and i think someone i don't know who it was it might be an ex-ref said oh the rules should have gone out the window and they should have done <laughs> a, a, a drop ball and then given spurs should have walked the ball into the back of the net and, and given uh, given liverpool the gut i'm like you know at this point like what are we actually doing? Are we going to have a serious discussion about this, or just become overly protective about who it's happening to? And I think that's probably the thing. Although I've had Liverpool supporters today say nothing to do with Spurs. I don't know why you're getting annoyed and making it about yourselves. I and mean, it's like we're, we're not, we we kind of have to do that anyway because it's not just about us. It's about Wolves. It's about all these other all the all these other clubs. Every single football club has benefited from these mistakes. We were also playing also, in the game, so it not, does sort of matter to us. Yeah, but Adam, right. <clears throat> Do you own a copy of the How to Follow Football playbook? Because I, I think a lot of people do, and a lot of people try to police what you can I, say and what you can't say. Do you know what? I think, I think I only got the e-version and not the hard copy, and I, I generally just skip through that sort of stuff if I can't read it in the flesh. I'm not, I'm not good with Kindles and stuff like that. All right, I'll have to check uh, Amazon, see if I can find the first edition. Because If you wouldn't because mind. It, because at the end of the day, look, look, I'm being a bit of a dick here, but like football is 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 such an amazing paradox of nonsense because on the <laughs> one hand, it's the most serious thing in, in people's lives in the moment they're talking about it. And on the other hand, it shouldn't be. And 
the way that it's analysed, and, and and I know I know what people are thinking and saying. We're talking about a billion pound industry, worldwide industry. We're talking about you know clubs maybe not winning league titles because of these type of uh, admin mistakes, if you want to call it that. I think it was a communication error on this uh, this occasion. I appreciate that, but I am doing no harm in laughing at Liverpool and their reaction. You know, calls for the game to be replayed. And all this, and then and suddenly every single moment in the game has been overanalyzed. It wasn't a foul. He pulled his shirt. He shouldn't have. He should have. This is the most amazing thing I saw today. He shouldn't have planted his leg. I think they're talking <laughs> about pursuit. I, I think it was a pursuit they were talking about. I'm, it's so confusing. There's been so many quoted uh, tweets, uh, and, and from people that are actually working in the media and journalists as well, are saying some extraordinary things. I don't, you know, I thought Gary Neville, and I've, well, I've, I've seen the sky highlights of the game, and, uh, you know, I thought Gary Neville was ridiculous during his commentary. Uh, so pro-Liverpool, you know, no, 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 no on everything that he saw. Uh, but he did, obviously, today talk about how how much of a shambles this statement was in terms of integrity and, and all these other things, options. They've, they have made it about themselves. So as far as I'm concerned... We can do anything that we want. They're obviously doing. They're obviously going to look after themselves, which is fair enough. But like you said, it happens so often now. How can you quantify one from another? This obviously, yeah, they could have scored, right? It could have changed the narrative of the entire game. Spurs still could have won. Yeah. So, it, so we're never going to know. Um, let, let 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 let's shift on. We can come back periodically to to, to laugh at Liverpool if we feel that we need to. Um, before the game, how confident were you? Because obviously we had a massive test last week. You know, Destiny versus Saka, North London derby. Uh, we came through that really, really well. One of those games where we were frustrated that we did, we perhaps didn't nick it. Um, and then obviously we've got, we've got Salah and Liverpool the following weekend. And everyone's waiting, whether it's Spurs or not, Spurs fans or not. Everyone's waiting for us to slip up or to lose. going to happen. It's football. But pre-game. Um, how do you feel when you go to Tottenham these days? And were you confident about getting something out of this match? Such a good question because I was messaging Chris last week and I said that I thought we were going to get thumped by Arsenal just because the way they play, I yeah. didn't think would suit us. And then we'd have a yeah, bounce back. Yeah, the Paul moment. I did have a bit of them. I actually didn't think Merson... There's another story for another time, but I think whilst Merson probably pushes everything, he says 15% too far. Yeah. There are, there is a, you know, I can sort of see the map that he's outlying sometimes, but anyway, we'll park that. Yeah. Um, I thought that Saturday was going to be this sort of triumphant return in a scrappy game uh, on the back of a bad result. So I don't think I was even mentally prepared going to the game that we were going to go into it off the back of a good result. Um, you know, pub and the game and the, ground before was pretty buoyant you've got the trumpet which is just great and it builds a, a sort of fervent atmosphere which is was fantastic but one, one thing I did notice so I was probably one or two too many too lubricated uh at kickoff mm. and I don't think I think I've done this maybe five times in my life had to leave just to you know nip to the loo quickly and I went after we scored um the first goal to make it one nil obviously and at that point Liverpool were down to 10 men uh, we were 1-0 up and there were probably 10, 15 guys in, in the toilet and there was, they were jubilant. Um, but then all I could think of was that three or four weeks before, Liverpool down to 10 men 
battered Newcastle in the end uh, and turned it round. And I don't know if it's yeah. Actually, the 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 view in the in of those guys wasn't necessarily what I felt was consistent mm. across the stadium because you know we've not beaten Liverpool for about ten years in Tottenham. We had that Wembley game. We haven't beaten them since. Bale scored a free kick, so yeah, that that's how long ago it was. And there's always this thing with Liverpool with the, you know, the fuck ups that have happened in the last minute and missed chances and whatever, and lots of woodwork, loads, and you know, decisions. And what mm. I thought the atmosphere was great. I don't know about you, but I thought there was this realization: thirty-five minutes gone, one nil up against ten men, and I think the technical term is that I felt the fans sort of shat themselves a bit. Um, I, I'm going to agree with you there because I told I, I, I was speaking to the to the people around me and I said I'm so nervous. This was later yeah. in the game. I am so so nervous. And then I was having like a a, a, a kind of inner dialogue. Um, and and this is something we we've spoken about as Spurs fans in pubs and and, and, and no doubt at the games. Um, back when when Pochettino was manager, and we were we were there was this energy around the club that we, we were challenging and contending, right? You know, the season we went unbeaten at White Hart Lane. The, we, we, it, we're not used to f- feeling the pressure of, of we can win every game, like, even though, like, it, that might be slightly uh, exaggerated in terms of playing Liverpool, who have got a good record against us, and they're also, they've been unbeaten for 18 games or however long it was. Um, but the pressure, that the expectancy, you get, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be good. We're, we're gonna, we're, we're probably going to win, and that pressure is what you would feel if you were a serious title contender. Now, obviously, there's the comfort if you're a serious title contender. The comfort is you are likely to win most of your games, so the, that pressure is just slightly lowered. Whereas with Spurs, because we're, we're tentative, right deep down. We're still cautious because we know how how cruel football can be and how how chapters tend to end in in in, in Tottenham novels. You know, uh, when you get to the final chapter, things tend to go wrong. Um, so I, I do resonate with that. I was bricking it, and and there was this 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 kind of comedic voice in my head saying, "You we're better off being shit because <laughs> I won't I won't feel this way." But at the it same was different time. to it was different to United this year, where there was sort of a jubilation the whole way through, even playing against the eleven. And I think there was a more of a carnival party atmosphere. And even against Chelsea last year, when we beat them two 0 once we were winning, I think deep down I thought we were going to be all right. But there there felt like there was a magnitude about this game, having got the good result last week, being in the lead against ten men. Uh, and I think maybe the the time makes a difference because the lights, the other floodlights were turning mm. on. Mm. It felt like a really big game. Um, and when they scored, it didn't feel like there was like a shell shock because there was almost this sort of period whereby everyone got themselves so excited after we scored and then calmed down. It's like, oh my goodness, are we actually going to go and beat Liverpool now and move second in the table and you know, have all, you know. Yeah. And I, I thought that, even the way that the, the I, I thought that went transferred itself to the pitch a little bit as well because I don't think in the second half we were as positive or as aggressive as we have been. I, I thought the players felt the magnitude of it, and I really hope that getting to win it in the end, however they did it, 
sort of lifts a bit of that nervous energy that they that they just need to know they need to keep pushing and keep forcing it. And actually, the one time where we really played our football was mm. that last minute when mm. they got it from back to front, created an overload, um, and put a great cross in, sort of a, a fairly high risk ball that you know so often leads to nothing. And I don't know, you know, that that explosion of energy at the end with the goal was just so fantastic. But I hope that whereas Sheffield United was a lifting of being fucked off. I hope that one was a, a lifting of, of nervousness that they can transport into into the future games. Yeah, I mean, so many good points there. And, and I guess the key thing is that the psychological aspect. You know, this team is forming. It is in, in its infancy. And it's already, we're already seeing, you know, those personalities uh, come through as, as a collective, individually. You know, where everybody's playing for each other. And there's that... that thing that Celtic fans often said you know you, you, you'll love Ange Ball in terms of you know Ange Ball seems to be this emphasis on the style and the swagger but it's actually this never say die attitude this relentless pushing and pushing and pushing and you know Liverpool defended extremely well I, I was reading something where they didn't really change their system when they went one man down and two men down so they, they're, they're playing on the counter they've got exceptional players they're obviously a very well-drilled, experienced football team. And they made it really difficult for us. But there, there was something lacking. There was some invention lacking from our players. And Son, Son and Madison were most definitely not 100%. And they, you know, they were taken off. And so I, the, the confidence that I have, Adam, is, is more that I... We're talking about this, obviously. And after every game, always, rather than just go, well, we were fantastic, we were brilliant... And you know, etc., etc., etc. Colourful, vibrant sound bites. He will bring you back down, and he will just let you know. I noticed that too. Obviously, I did. I'm the manager. He will see what we've just spoken about, what you just mentioned. That there is, a, there are levels that you need to get to, and that's the difference between between being a team that wants to be very good and then a, a very good team and then a, an elite team. And obviously, unfortunately, elite teams tend to be teams like Manchester City who have world-class players all over the place. So that, so that their, 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 um, their, their momentum in-game doesn't often drop. Uh, ironically, they lost to Wolves. So, you know, it, no, nothing is... is uh, 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 everything, rather, is it, it can be got to. And Spurs can be got to in their in their current form, but we do have levels uh, of progression to, to work through. But it's good that we're still finding a way in this in, in these games because I think belief is so good. And I know a lot a lot of these players aren't tainted by what we've experienced in the last four years. Um, one or two have obviously, uh, but the, the 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 flip, the switch, the change in 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 going to games and the positivity and you know the the parties that we have that that seem to trigger every every rival supporter after we've we've won the game. You know, guys, we're not celebrating because we beat Sheffield United. We're not celebrating because we nicked it against Liverpool. We kind of are, but it's more a celebration of Tottenham. It's more a celebration of this is why we want to come to football, and we everybody in football appreciates that you can't always have that. There are moments where you, as a football club, as a team, you slump a little bit. We have directed that slump over the last four years by appointing the wrong managers that Levy has now admitted to. So, so it's nice for us to, to kind of have a bit of what we we believe Tottenham is. Um, 
if Richie had scored, came off the the the, the, the post, we would have been two 0 up. Even though you know it was just after Liverpool had that that goal disallowed, I think. Um, what, what's your? We, we kind of jump around a little bit here, mate. But but <laughs> I know you kind of mentioned you know the, the whole fluidity up top. I thought Richie was all right. I mean, he assisted. He he he, he plays well when he's out wide, but he's not meant to be a wide player, right? And you put him central, and he still hasn't quite got what we're looking for. But like where are you at with Richarlison? Because he's a lovely bloke, obviously, but we, we kind of need killers, right? Yeah, I like the guy a lot, but it, the the sort of him being out on the left starts to feel a little bit like when Soldado we thought was going to be a number 10 because deep down we knew we couldn't hit a barn door. So we're thinking, well, what, what can this bloke do? Let's put him at number 10. Um, and that ended up being fairly short-lived. But Because um, Richarlison nearly, nearly set up another goal, which was flagged offside. I, I don't know. I haven't seen any replays of it anywhere, but we did score another goal almost identical in the second half to the one we, we got in the first half. Oh, I've actually forgotten about that. I know, because I've not seen it that. anywhere. Any, it, it must have been miles. My dad went bananas. We, we sit pretty much in line with that, but I saw the flag go up, so I didn't even flinch. But enough people got very excited that it couldn't have been that, it couldn't have been that far off. You know what's interesting about that? It wasn't in the, the extended highlights I watched on, on Sky last night. Was it not? No, I don't remember the, the disallowed goal. I was quite drunk. Uh, obviously, I've had a, a very drunky weekend. So maybe I blinked and missed it. Uh, but no one's talking about it. So I'm guessing it was clearly offside. Must have been. By, yeah, I mean, 100%. Um, um, but on that, so Richarlison, I thought, did okay out on the left. I thought he was pretty poor when he went inside. Um, you know, a couple of balls didn't stick, had that header, yeah. which wasn't really a, a chance. But, you know maybe can you angle it the other way mm. um i have a feeling he might be the kind of player that if they're looking for some cash in january got a good relationship with someone like marco silva i just wonder if maybe there's a move to be made there with him which i'd be sad at because i don't think it almost feels with me that the the chance to give him a chance is almost too far gone because yeah. i don't think the way postacoglu wants to play completely suits him in either yeah. position, and he started from such a point of low confidence because Conte just didn't give him anything to play with that, you know, it was going to ask a lot. You know, that said, he's still got two goals and two assists in his last two um, or three appearances, which is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tricky with him. Um, and I think when Johnson comes back, that will be the front three they go with uh, on a pretty regular basis, the one that played up against Arsenal. What's your? Um, was there anything else that you wanted to pick out of the, the game? Because obviously they they, they did equalise just before half time, which which wasn't fun. Um, did you think we kind of sat back too much? It was it a bit of naivety in in the moment there because it is Liverpool. You do have to you do have to be completely self aware. You know any little chance, any any mistakes, any 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 counters, and you can get you can get slapped. Um, yeah. I just watched a really good TIFO video, which was about 20 minutes about should Spurs have done more against 10 and then against nine. Mm. And actually, I think against 10 men, like I was saying earlier about the Newcastle game, I don't blame the Spurs players for being very cautious about what could have happened had they given the ball away at the wrong time. Because yeah. Liverpool are just so... I mean, that forward line is ridiculous. The pace they've got up front. Um, I would it doesn't say matter Salah who, was, it's just it's miles, miles above... Saka, who's a brilliant player, 
uh, but sadly still a beastly monster. Um, I don't know how he does it. I mean, and, and like, look at that finish for Diaz for this goal that you know everyone's talking about. I mean, that is from nowhere, and he's just lashed it in the bottom corner. Yeah. And so, whilst I did think Spurs were maybe a little bit negative against ten, um, I, I can sort of see why because the risk of being done and losing, you know, a point against Liverpool against ten men wouldn't have been a bad result, even if Jota had never been sent off. And we played against ten, and we just couldn't break them down. But you know, they had a couple of chances. It, you know, even against nine, I was trying to rationalise with myself that look, it's still Liverpool. They're defending really well here. If we get a point. You know, you're not going to look back in May and, and worry about the points you didn't get against against Liverpool of all teams. So I thought that maybe we could have been a bit more adventurous, but I don't blame the players for not being that because it really could have been. It would have been a sucker punch to lose that game. Do, do you just before because I want to get back to the I want to ask you about the red cards um, and uh, the substitutions as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, just to, to kind of side foot. Um, that's not really the the right word I want to use, but anyway, just just to just to there's something that's come in my head, right? It's just one of those dark <laughs> dark voices. Uh, I'm not doubtful personally, um, but I've heard other people say, you know, you just about got past Sheffield United. You know, West Ham slapped them aside. You know, and Newcastle scored eight against them. Um, you know, against Liverpool, own goal, you got lucky. You you couldn't make the most out of playing against, you know, a depleted team because of red cards. You know, um, there's been other other games here and there. Do do you think that's just a, a, a form of like if if it's Spurs supporters saying that? Do you think that's just a defensive mechanism? Uh, do you think that that often people are are more likely to? To be, to be quite depressive about performances and results and, and everything when we're not winning and picking up points and then, you know, it's the end of the world. And then when we're winning it, winning games, people can sometimes be cautious about over-celebrating or thinking that everything's fine. Now, most people know that, you know, we're, we're seven games in. It's very, very, very early days. But are you still worried that someone will turn up or we will go somewhere and we will get slapped? Or do you think Spurs... Are actually a, a pretty good Premier League football team in terms of this restart that we've got. Like our defense, I mean, you can you, know, you can go anywhere with this question, Adam. But you, you look at our defense: Mickey Van der Ven and Romero, exceptional. The two of them, destiny, the learning curve. You know, he's twenty years old. He's, he's a young guy, right? I think he, he's twenties, and he's I'm sure mm. he's extremely young, but seems to be so mature, raw in, in at times, but still performing. Uh, Poro, I mean, he's someone that was very much maligned by a lot of people. Might still not be the sharpest defensively, but just offers so much uh, going forward. And then obviously the midfield and the attack, and you know you can pick out areas where we're not a hundred percent. But are we simply getting these results because the games are actually quite tough? The Sheffield United game, the time wasting, etc., etc. Do you see where I'm going with this? I'm trying, mm-hmm. I'm trying to work out: are are we really, really good already? Which would tie into what you were saying at the beginning of the pod that just buy the the, the the players all in the summer and just go for it now because the Premier League is already looking like it's having a bit of a wobble from top to bottom. Um, so, so where where do you land with that? 
I thought we broke Sheffield United, um, which has led them to having a couple of bad results. Um, I think the mental fatigue you pick up off a result like that, which fed into the Newcastle game, um, is really tough to, to get over. You know, you're winning a game, first win of the season, and then all of yeah. a sudden you've lost the game you know, in mad circumstances. So I, I'm not worried about us getting slapped about at all, because I think as a defensive unit, we are very, very good and be very hard to beat. And that's a collective back-to-front thing. I just think we're probably a little bit on the light side going forward from a creativity standpoint and learning a new system and breaking... I think breaking teams down is going to be much harder for us than stopping teams getting through us. So we might not win some games, but I can't see us getting slapped in those games, you know, as as the alternative, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, perfect sense. And again, it ties into what I what I genuinely believe in, and that is the foundations that Postacoglu has, has set already are pretty solid, pretty mm-hmm. strong. Um, so back to uh, the red one, card. Th- one thing I will no, say, no. sorry about yep. that, is that and I, know, you know, I, I banged on about this a lot last year and I apologise for if I bored people, but I've got to, got to bring it back. Like m- my three axis of evil players last year were <laughs> Lloris, Dyer, and Hoiberg and... I, you know, maybe I, I get given or gave them too much stick or whatever, but you can see why we wouldn't beat teams like Liverpool with those three players in instead of Vicario, who has proved me more wrong than any player ever. I think at Tottenham so far, yeah. And then Van de Ven, who you know, you look at just when he wants to open his legs up and go, he moves like he is so fast He's that there's just. Isn't he? He's he's too fast to even get into a physical tussle with because he's he's long gone, and that and that was against like Diaz and Salah. There were times where you know there was a ten a ball ten yards behind him, and he was just there before they were even sniffed it. And then the way in which Basuma plays, as opposed to someone like Hoiberg, and you know I'm not a big rater of Hoiberg, but I'm not expecting anyone to play like Basuma because the, some of the stuff he does, dropping a shoulder, sending people the other way, is. Mm. You know, he's the kind of player that doesn't have to do that. You know, he could easily be much better than Moussa Dembele was. And and I say that as a, a massive Dembele fan. But some of the stuff that he does is like a Dembele 2.0 in the way he plays. Um, Asuma is... Yeah, so, no, actually, go, go on. He's just... He's a remark. I've never seen a player like him for Spurs. Like, what he can do and manipulating his body and the ball. Like, it, he is genuinely a joy to watch. And I'm I'm really pleased because... Last year, I was thinking, did I get this one so wrong when I called mm. him like the most surefire signing we could possibly make from Brighton? Mm. But I really think that re- the replacing of three players that are nervier on the ball, not quite as confident, and not slower, quite as just sort of yeah. Phys- yeah, and s- slower of thought, you know, the difference that those three have made is is unbelievable, and I really think that does give us the axis and the backbone to compete against proper teams because we can play both ways now. We can go back to go forward and we can continue to go forward. Whereas with those guys, unfortunately, you just couldn't really work out any way to play. I was going to interrupt you in the middle of that to just say Basuma is sensational. And it's the the really, really interesting thing is that when we did sign him for Brighton, you know, um, I felt the same. You know, it was like, we, this is, he was one of the best, I guess, number sixes in the country. Um, dominated Spurs in games, dominated Arsenal and, 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 and other top teams. And obviously, last season was a, a travesty. 
in in many many ways. Um, and then this season, he's just expressively producing exactly what we initially predicted he would. So he is an absolute baller. Um, and with Benton Court, I mean, with any luck, um, the ACL injury, uh, it's difficult in it to predict. You know, is he going to be the same player? I don't know if he's had stem cells. I've got no idea about the, the operation in terms of, um, you know, some players come back and they're absolutely fine. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just natural for him and us to probably worry about what if he gets another knock in and around that area again. Um, but we, we look forward to having Pendleton Cole because, I, you know, our, our midfield is fairly stacked. Um, we might still need something in there. Eze, maybe, I don't know. Someone to, to kind of complement and rotate uh, Madison and, and kind of protect that creative spark that we, we need and to have that option off the bench. But, um, okay, we, I keep putting off going to the red cards, but we will get to them because we spoke about, you, you mentioned Hoybier, Hoiberg, whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> um, depending on whether you're Danish and you want to pronounce it properly. Um, he came on. I don't want to be controversial here. No, he did well. He did well, and he, he kept pushing those balls wide. You know, it's like Spurs couldn't go through the middle. They couldn't find they couldn't find the way through the middle. We kept trying to go wide to find, you know, people getting frustrated. We were playing the ball around and people were screaming, shoot, shoot. It's like, mate, the ball's not going to get through a wall of Liverpool players um, from any angle. Um, and we kept looking for that wide ball. And obviously in the end, we found it and, and we won the game off the back of it. He will not settle for being a bit part player. He's been incredibly professional, whether you love him or hate him and don't rate him, whatever. But he's he's... He was effective in this game. He's he's obviously can be very disciplined when he knows he has a particular job to do, when he's not being asked to do something that goes beyond his capacity. Um, so we, we, when you think about the bench and you look at him, you look at Oliver Skip, and maybe one or two others, like, do you, do you think that, like, does the depth issue for you actually get a little bit worse? Like, in terms of this guy might need to be sold or he might be gone in January or the summer or whenever. And then do we need to bring in another type of midfielder of similar ilk? Or do we just rely on Skip to do that tidy up work uh, late in games? I think we probably have to appreciate that we are hopefully in a unique situation now whereby... We've got 31 league games and a maximum of, what, five, five, six cup games left. So mm. we are probably going to fall into a pattern of being, in our mind, sort of slaves to the starting eleven. whereby, you know, if we're in the Champions League next year, hopefully, it's like 10 group games or something. Yeah, it's mad. Um, That's a big summer if that happens. It's massive. And, yeah. I mean, look, even if we get into the Europa League, that's still going to be six more games uh, between uh, September and December, plus hopefully a few more in the League Cup. Now, look, imagine if we had a European game this week and couldn't <laughs> play Madison or Sun. So this idea of worrying about depth, you know, we need to worry about depth for, for that sort of stuff. So, yeah, all, all I would implore people is not to be too worried about what the, the first eleven is right now, because, yes, it might be now that we have a team that's pretty set in stone, but going forward... You're going to need more players. Um, 
And so I don't think you need to be too concerned about, well, if we sell him, we'll have to buy someone else. We will have to buy someone else anyway, would be my, my reading on it. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, Solomon, and any, any thoughts on him? It's, I've, I've seen some criticism. I've seen some criticism. Uh, I've seen people call him basic and, and, and maybe not having that edge, etc., etc. It uh, It's difficult really like you can you can you can definitely be right about any player right you can make it you can make an, an, an you can share your opinion from the off he's not played barely any games for example and you could be right it's fine it's 50 50 chance every time sometimes it's very obvious sometimes it's not um liverpool are a good team we know that it was a tough game i think he's done all right but perhaps not enough and, and I think the, the the wide you know I think you would talk about going through the middle if Son's not not there for example I think the wide issues are also there to be seen I think Kulosevsky's get improving he's getting better he's getting more confident he can he's still not quite the player we know he can be there's still something missing with he with his play so how are you feeling about um Solomon and and, and in fact uh, uh Kulosevsky as well uh, I think Kulisewski's been really good in the last few games. Um, I think he's sort of stepping up into being a leader on the pitch with the ball and he's not shying away from anything. And yeah, maybe not everything is exactly coming off for him, but he's got that spark back that he appeared to have lost last year, it, for, for my my money anyway. Solomon, I was disappointed with on Saturday, but the the tricky thing with wingers like that is that, and it's you know, sort of same with someone like Aaron Lennon, Every time they got the ball, you'd want them to try and take their man on because that's sort of what they're they're there for. Yeah. But then when you're playing against 10 and then 9, as a team, you want to keep the ball and keep it moving and work it from side to side and side to side just to sort of open up a, a potential scoring opportunity. So it was probably quite tricky for him to know what to do because it, Trent had a bizarre game in the sense that he just would not make a tackle and Solomon breezed past him three or four times almost untouched but then there wasn't really anywhere to go and you know the strikers weren't always the biggest and Matip and Van Dijk are like two towers in there to to try Mm. and and they brought Canate on as well didn't they at the end to try and see it out so I wasn't particularly impressed or thrilled with Solomon but I think he contextually had quite a difficult role to fulfill and actually I would have liked to see him and Kulisevsky switched around for the last 15 minutes, just to put a right footer on the right and left footer on the left and just try and yeah. get as many balls in the box as possible. Missy yeah. um, Perisic, from that, aren't we, as well? Yeah. Like, for, for those those kind of... Um, I mean, you can start games. It's not. I know he's an old man, but um, the quality of his deliveries often can result in, in match-winning moments. So, um <sighs> What can you Alice, do? Alice, I mean, Willow, I mean, one thing that doesn't help is that Allison is unbelievable, mate. Uh, those the two saves, was had, yeah. Those two, any other keeper, and you've scored at least one, if yeah. not two, and it's a different game. That bloke is on a different level to maybe anything. <laughs> Said it, people. Again, we were we were chatting in the stands after in, in Beaver Town. We had the same conversation. I think I might have I've mentioned it to a couple of people. He's just an incredible goalkeeper, annoyingly incredible. Um, and obviously, Vic, Vic, the other end is is like just to quickly uh, mention him again. Um, has surprised a lot of people, right? Because mm-hmm. people, because as fans, you you 
look, it's it's a difficult one, right? How many people knew of Hugo Lloris or, or, or watched him play? I know, obviously, in and around the, the international, uh, uh, the national side uh, for France. Sometimes people want to see you spend money on someone that you do know. You know, David Raya was the one that people would have been happy with because they watch him every week on Match of the Day, you know. So I think there was this this nervous energy around Vic. And, I mean, he, he has leadership qualities as well. There's obviously parts of his game that he can still improve on in terms of distribution. But he's, he's, compared to Lloris, he's on another level already. Hmm. Um, this is this is the thing, Adam. Again, to go back to the collective, that starting eleven, I can't find much to criticise about them. Like just in terms of, you know, people hate Eric Dyer. Okay, it's a very strong word. Um, I don't hate him at all, but I don't think he's good enough um, anymore for this for this team, especially. Um, but the, this starting eleven at the minute, you know, and and you've got Johnson to come in. You know, you you got players that can can swap and change from the bench. They're all so fucking likable. <laughs> yeah, they're nice and they're guys. all they're all really good. I mean, Romero. Someone said he hasn't got the World Cup to to disrupt him. You know, he hasn't got that to focus on. A lot of people felt that he was thinking about that all the time. He's been a Rolls Royce again. I mean, he's he's always main. He's always been a Rolls Royce. It's just that sometimes he's a Rolls Royce that likes to do donuts. Um, <laughs> but he's he's been so silky, and and him and, uh, and and Mickey have been just so good, in, and it, it's helped so much as well with just having, you know, if you've got good defence, you know, the confidence kind of breeds going forward. You're not worrying about what's happening at the back, um, uh, and, and and obviously Destiny, um, a young guy that has got so much about him. Again, another player that could go on to. To become a, a, a superstar, he's got all the qualities uh, there. Is there anything else you want to pick out before we, we finally get to the red cards? Any other player or any anything that you noticed from the game that you really liked, um, just in terms of uh, tactics or maybe something that you didn't particularly uh, find uh, good? Um, I don't know if this if you want to talk about this now, but there were fifty thousand people in their seat at least five minutes after full time on Saturday. We, right. We'll talk about that in the Patreon section okay. in, a, in about five minutes. So Ooh, what we will do. A teaser, a little teaser for the listening millions. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's why you get paid so, the big bucks got, for mate, this gig. Got a hustle. Um, red cards. Where, where, where are you with them? Because obviously, again, if you want to be factual and historic and just look back on every game ever, Yellow cards get given for nothing tackles all of the time since forever. Obviously, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but did you think there was any controversy? Not really. With the way these were dished out? No, not really. My um, my mate in front of me, the second uh, Curtis Jones made the tackle, was up saying that's worse than the Chelsea one last week. He'll be sent off and he was bang on. And we're you know, 60 yards away in the upper tier at the East End. Um, and Jota was lucky he didn't get booked three times before he did get booked. Um, yes, yes. Which is, you know, a really nice convenient thing to miss out on. He was on a mission to yeah, just he get was. sent off. It was, it was, it was stupid. It was stupid. Um, so, no, it, it's one of those red cards that if it was a 
Tottenham player against Liverpool, there wouldn't even be, it wouldn't get brushed. I'm, I'm not saying conspiracy or anything mm. like that. I'm not doing that. But the way in which big teams are spoken about is different to less big teams. And you, you can always tell which teams don't get that many decisions given against them by the outrage when they do get one given against them. And I think yeah. this weekend is a perfect case in point for that. What, what did you make of this rollover? His foot rolled over the ball and it's almost like... It's like oh, it's 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 the positioning of the of, of the ball and the player. Well, why has he got his his, his shins there, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Do you think this is just this kind of creative word gymnastics to just protect, for whatever reason, um, the entertainment factor of the narrative of the the game, if that makes sense? So rather than just sometimes being really boring. And factual, and say, oh yes, red card. The people like Gary Neville have to go. Oh well, actually, if you look at the alignment of the stars in the sky and the wind, uh, yeah, like, mate, what are you talking about? Like, if if he if he if he's rolling over the ball, he's not really in control of what he's doing, and he's got his studs up. So. Why? Why try and and dismiss the the reality of what's actually happened there? And you're right. If it does flip to the other side, you know, it's someone someone tweeted to me today. If you, if it was Lamella, you know, Neville will be will be screaming that he gets sent off. <laughs> um, and, and and the thing is, that's a meme, but I, I, it's believable. And and and. Do you think that they just talk a load of bollocks just for the sake of doing it, or do you think he genuinely looks at these incidents and 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 gets hyper scientific about positioning and angles and, and whatever else? I didn't think he got that much of the ball in the first place, and you know, grazing the studs over the ball, like he he caught he caught Basuma like six inches off the ground with the whole side of his boot. I, I just don't think that would be even be vaguely controversial in other other surroundings. I, I just couldn't see it at all. And Neville's got this slightly frustrating habit now that I noticed against Arsenal where he gets this idea in his head and that's that for the game. He just sticks with it and no amount of evidence can convince him otherwise. He couldn't bear to say how well Udogi played against Arsenal in the second half because he'd already declared in the first half that he was having a nightmare, which he also wasn't. Um, and I think that sort of happened with this this uh, red card. He's already started saying, well, you know, some fans might think, but us pros wouldn't. So it's, it's sort of a, a semi-climb down without ever actually admitting he's wrong. So he's sort of looking for something to something to fall back on. But I, I just didn't think it was controversial at all. At all. And they've appealed yeah. it, and I hope he gets another ban for frivolous appeal, because... That sort of stuff doesn't help you. That that's, appealing that makes you look, look like you're scrambling. Yeah, and, and and that that that's the reason we're laughing at them at the minute. Look, yeah. uh, let's continue our chat in Patreon. We're going to chat a bit more. We're going to chat about the atmosphere and everything that happens at Spurs, or everything that's happening at Spurs in terms of the vibes, because it's just so fucking good at, at the minute. Going to football is just exactly what it. It needs to be for this football club after mm-hmm. the four seasons that we've had. And we're going to chat about the celebration police, I think, um, and, and one or two other little bits that I want to bring up. So um, anyone uh, and everyone that's still listening and downloaded this on all the regular podcast apps, thank you. Uh, you can find uh, the extended version on Patreon. That's Patreon 
dot com forward slash spooky in purgatory. So thanks for listening.